Hello, and welcome to the Fishnets and Phantoms podcast. This is the horror and genre movie podcast that dissects movies and media with a post-punk perspective. So hello all you black cats and baby bats out there. Happy Friday the 13th to you. This is one of our happy goth holidays that we have so few of. Really, really don't have very many. We have Halloween, Friday the 13th. Um, I suppose you could say Valentine's Day. I mean, you know, if you're going for the massacre bit of it or, you know, the disembodied hearts. But anyways, uh, if you can think of any, uh, send them in into the Fishnets and Phantoms group or page on Facebook. Now, I told you that I was going to get a Twitter and an Instagram up and I totally didn't because there's a lot of shiny things in the world there's a lot of shiny things to distract me and uh, distract me they did this this uh, happy uh, month well actually not so happy but you know hey we're gonna we're gonna fake it and say it's happy enough um, okay I think I mentioned that I'm in the Swan art show it it's at the Blossom Gallery on Knick in Bayview, Milwaukee. So if you want to see my artwork, it is up until the, uh, I want to say the 6th of April. Um, so I was working on that a lot and I got to go to see to C2E2, which is probably going to be one of the uh, last big events I go to for a little while. Um, well, no, there was another. I got to see a awesome up-and-coming band from Ohio called Mr. Clit and the Pink Cigarettes, and they played a super boss show at Bremen Street. Bremen Street Tavern, I think? Hmm. Yeah, I'm going to say Tavern. Anyways, that was who did our intro and is going to be doing our intros for a while and our outros. And so, yeah, um, look them up on the internet. Now, I know a couple of you are probably going to be like, you know, um, clutching your pearls a little on their name. But, you know, hey, whatever. It's body. We all have them. Um, anyways, so um, got to see that show against uh, CDC warnings of going out and uh, interacting with five or more people. Um, there wasn't too many more than five or more people, like maybe 20, maybe, you know, probably like 40. Yeah, probably about 40. I'm bad at counting crowds. I've never been good at it. But anyways, it was a good show. Uh, they had opening band Rat Bath, which uh, just tickles me because I used to have little rats and they are adorable with their own awesome long tails and their little noses. Oh, oh speaking of uh, anim the animal kind, I have one of my co-hosts here. It seems to be Chi-Chi. Yeah, she's uh, talking, talking, doing her co-hosting bit. Anyways, um, so that's um, some of the sparkly things that have distracted me from getting those sites up. But... Please do visit me on Facebook and uh, send me some ideas for future shows, future movies, and um, what you think would be some good goth holidays to, I don't know, yeah, sure, I'll make up a goth holiday chart uh, illustrated. Heck, I've got plenty of time because the big bad bug has descended. Yes, the big bad corona bug. 
Now, everybody is quite, eh, looking like it's quite rightly scared of that big bug. It is a bug that puts the Starship Troopers bugs to shame. Uh, Doogie Hauser would definitely, uh, uh, definitely be scared of um, this bug. Um, took out a lot of uh, China and Italy. I offer my sympathies up to the families of those affected and I pray that they come up with a vaccine soon and that they have very few and very very few illnesses and very few deaths in the upcoming days, weeks, years in the entire world because this big blue marble is an awesome place to live and I, I like this whole living thing. It's something I'm um, kind of attached to. I mean, yeah, I'm goth and stuff, but I like being alive. It's fun. It's fun. It's hard to do stuff and you're not alive because, you know, you don't move around very much. I mean, okay, I guess technically you move, like, because the insects are taking bits of you and walking around with them, but, you know, Okay, um, now I will get into my, uh, weird news, weird news, cool news, interesting news bit. Speaking of critters that like to carry things and people well okay not so many people shiny things off uh, apparently they uh, <laughs> apparently scientists have recently come up with the uh, to me pretty obvious idea that uh, ravens might possess a theory of mind a new study of ravens behavior when they think they're being spied upon suggests that they possess the building blocks of humans ability to interpret other thoughts hopes and fears yeah so theory of mind basically when you think that the critter across from you has something in their brain that they're thinking too now I know that seems like an obvious thing but apparently to scientists um, and well I guess it would be um, sociologists would it be? Developmental psychologists? Developmental sociologists? Uh, I don't know. Anyways, um, when they study um, babies, they um, apparently have noticed that it takes them a while to completely get the concept that um, that there's a personality and a personhood in other um, I guess homo sapiens that they interact with. Uh, they currently um, seem to believe that this theory of mind is a human-only capacity. Um, I think I've read a couple articles that said they think that maybe dogs have that and maybe other great, quote-unquote, great apes. Um, but, yeah, uh, apparently now they think that ravens do too, which is pretty interesting because ravens have been um, important parts of mythology from Greek mythology to Native American um, to British uh, mythology, um, ravens and crows, basically corvids in general. Corvids are insanely intelligent and I'm betting on them to have a good uh, piece of the pie when, um, I don't know, we all go belly up and animals take over. I mean, yeah, you know, roaches probably, but hey, you never know. Maybe corvids get in there and get some opposable thumbs. Um, I did see a pic awesome picture of a kitty cat uh, the other day that had, uh, like, 
six toes, but like two of the toes were almost like a giant thumb. And we are so screwed if cats get thumbs. <laughs> if cats get thumb technologies and can do things like open doors and open um, street boxes and cupboards. So anyways, <laughs> yeah. Um, but so ravens are known to spy on each other um, and, you know, like steal each other's stuff that they get. Now, that's not all that unusual. Um, squirrels do that. I know pet rats do that because I... <laughs> I've seen some pretty hilarious incidents of giving my one rat a treat and this big bully brother would take it from him and the little rat would be like, oh, okay, you know, just give it to the big bully rat and the big bully rat would go on and try to steal all the treats and he would be like over by me getting some more treats and the little tiny rat would be sneaking around and grabbing his treats right back and hiding him out someplace else. So yeah, so that was uh, Oreo and Samo the awesome rats that I had. Long tail rats. Uh, I did give them baths. They liked it a lot. Um, they seem to like water. Um, anyways, so going back to ravens, because, you know, that was really what I was talking about. Um, yeah, uh, they believe that ravens um, have a theory of consciousness of other beings, a theory of the mind, and um, that makes sense too because ravens are known to basically hold a grudge um, and then the grudge they actually must have some sort of communication because they teach other ravens to be ticked off at whatever it is they have a grudge against um, apparently if you mess with a raven or a crow any basically any corvid um, they will hate you and they will dive bomb you and they'll poop on you and they'll just generally make your life miserable when you're outside. Um, they figured this out. Uh, I think seagulls do this too because um, where I work there's a lot of seagulls and they would attack the police officers that um, would go about to like uh, clear the campus at night but if they got too close to the um, seagulls nests they would it was all it was warfare. Um, but yeah, so um, Corvids, uh, apparently, they tell their, all of their friends this person is a jerk and all of their friends will come and like massively attack whoever it is. They've done research where they give a, uh, <laughs> some poor schlub of a student a mask and um, a hoodie and that person goes and messes with a raven somehow. I mean, not like to hurt him, but like, I don't know, steal its food or something like that. And then um, whenever that mask is seen in that hoodie, they will just go crazy and just like make that person's life miserable. Now, obviously, the, the actual human that did it um, is somewhat hidden, so they can walk around and they'll be, they'll be fine. But they found out that the baby ravens for like the next generation will also be like, no, no, I, I hate you. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think it takes a couple generations to clear your name, I guess. But yeah, so um, that article is in, oh, it's in Christian Science Monitor, which yeah, I don't know if that's the best uh, source for scientific knowledge, but you know, it's pretty interesting. Um, just came out recently, so if you want to look that up. Uh, you definitely can. 
The study is by uh, Dr. Bruckner of, um, it is in Nature Communications, and it highlights how sophisticated and human-like Raven's cognitive abilities are. So, you know, she talks about what is so special about human cognition, um, Cameron Bruckner, and um, she is of the University of Houston. And um, that is one of the things, theory of mind is one of the things that propel us to learn a language. Um, and of language, of course, is the basis of all of human culture. Uh, it's pretty, it would be pretty hard to... I'm, I'm, yeah, no, never mind. That, that was a silly thing to say. It would be downright impossible to have a um, interactive culture um, on the level that humans have it now without language. I mean, it doesn't have to be verbal language. It could be sign language. It could be a million different kinds of languages. But um, yeah, it's fairly. It's very interesting. Um, um, many biologists and philosophers think our ability to see things through another person's eyes and think about what they might be thinking. Uh, the skill referred to as a theory of mind is one of the biggest puzzles in human and animal cognitions and um, creates very many debates on the subject. But yeah, it's a pretty interesting article. Uh, take a look at it. Okay, moving on to our next piece of news. It is very metal. Uh, apparently, astronomers have discovered a giant planet where it rains iron. So, yeah, uh, apparently on Saturn's moon Titan, it has methane rain, which is pretty unpleasant. But uh, WASP, W-A-S-P-76 B, an ultra-hot planet approximately 640 light-years from Earth. On that planet, it rains metal. It rains iron. Um, I guess usually about the time when day turns to night, uh, the, uh, it's cool enough to condense the water metal, I guess, <laughs> vapor metal into water or, well, into a liquid state. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was observed by the European Southern Observatory's Very Large Telescope, which is a strangely specific name, uh, the Very Large Telescope in Chile. Um, astronomers used data collected by the Echelle Spectrograph for rocky exoplanets and stable spectroscopic observations. Expresso, a new instrument on the Very Large Telescope. <laughs> and I, I'm not just saying Very Large Telescope, like trying to explain it in a somewhat childish way. It is literally named the Very Large Telescope. Um, to study the absorption of light emitted from the ultra-hot planet and discovered the extremely metal iron rain phenomenon. Oh, that was just a funny, in the article, uh, the iron rain phenomenon. Um, yeah, it's a tidally locked planet. Uh, it only shows one side to us. Its parent st star, uh, WASP-76, much the same way the moon only ever shows one face to the Earth. So yeah, the moon, the moon is in the same 
uh, totally locked orbit with us. So we, we never see the dark side of the moon. That was why it was so interesting. Uh, was it last year or year before when China was able to send some probes over there? That's an interesting subject too. Maybe I'll look into that um, for next episode. So yeah, um, I guess the temperatures there are above 300, wait, 3,800, sorry, 3,800 degrees Fahrenheit, which is about 2,100 degrees Celsius, and it vaporizes metals like iron. The planet's ferrous winds carry them to the night side, where temperatures are positively chilling, 2,700 degrees Fahrenheit, um, and it's... Uh, that's still pretty hot, um, which makes sense because it doesn't like just immediately turn into an iron block and fall down. Um, the team used Expresso to detect iron when day turns to night, a line called the Terminator. However, in reverse, when the Terminator turns from night into day, they couldn't detect the same signal. When the vaporized iron gets to the night side, it condenses and rains down onto WASP-76B. In what can only be described as... Oh, that's pretty silly. I'm just going to cut that bit out. <laughs> so yeah, so there is a planet that it rains iron. Crazy. Okay, well, um, going back a little bit to um, news of the bug. News of uh, Big Bad Old COVID-19. Um, yeah, COVID sounds a little bit too much like um, a crow. Ooh, ooh, that's kind of creepy. Ooh, because um, uh, they are often crows, ravens, of course, as probably everybody knows, they are known as harbingers of death and tricksters. Um, so yeah, that's a little bit scary. But anyways, COVID nineteen, the evil bad bug that is got the world in its grasp right now. Um, a lot of countries, states. Uh, etc. have taken the probably very very uh, sane practicality of limiting large venues. So uh, a lot of rock stars, a lot of uh, musicians, etc. have canceled their programming, canceled their tours. Uh, looks like a show that I would like to see um, Oh, now my brain just turned off. Arr, Kathleen Hanna. Kathleen Hanna was going to come to our fair city and play Luther Band. You know, it has a name. I know it has a name. Oh, yeah. Bikini Kill. Yeah, Bikini Kill. I'm sorry about forgetting that for a second. Um, and, uh, for anyone out there that is just a little tiny bit of Bikini Kill for a few seconds used under Creative Commons, um, so just for a little happy. Anyway, so they have had to postpone their upcoming tour, and I'm very sad about that. Uh, a bunch of other bands have done the same. Disneyland's closed. Not that I could afford to go to Disneyland. <laughs> Um, anyways, um, a lot of things are closed. I am very much hoping that the concerts that I am most looking forward to coming up this year, Nick Cave, and then uh, slightly later, Einst uh, uh, you know what, Einstein, Erste Stende, Neubauten, 
I hope that they are able to fulfill their tours. Um, honestly, if things are still going this badly by October, oh yeah, things are not going to be good then. <laughs> Um, yeah, so anyways, we're not talking about the sads anymore. We are going to move on to our movie. Yes, our movie is The Banana Splits. So yeah, uh, again, a little bit of Creative Commons, Dickie is right there on their cover of the Banana Splits song. Banana Splits was a weird cartoon from the late 60s. I don't really know how else to describe it. It was a trippy, strange cartoon that I loved. Um, it was kind of put together a little bit slapdash. Um, it was four costumed um, critters, four costumed critters, that lived in a house together and had a band and dressed in kind of a psychedelic, wild, groovy way. Um, you know, it was popular with the kids in the 60s. And um, it was done by Sid and Marty Croft, or was designed by Sid and Marty Croft, um, that you will know as the creators of the wonderful things like H&R Puffin Stuff, Sigmund the Sea Monster, and various other just weird and wonderful delights. Um, there was something about a hotel with Witchy Poo. Uh, I can't remember that exactly, but yeah, those were some strange and trippy fellows. They used to actually have a strange black, what do you call black ride? Um down in Six Flags over Georgia and it was called the Okefenokee Swamp uh, for the Br'er Rabbit story and if you look it up online and I really highly <laughs> recommend that you do it is some creepy weird to be shit I mean stuff <laughs> beep um, anyways uh, that was like one of my favorite rides when I was a little kid and I lived down in Chattanooga Tennessee and when I was very very lucky very lucky. My mom and dad would take me to the Six Flags Over Georgia Park and we would go to the Okefenokee Dark Ride and it was like so cool. Um, had these like psychotic rabbits that would like jump out from behind giant carrots and yeah um, honestly it was an experience that you had to live through to understand and unfortunately that you can't anymore it's long gone uh, but they have like some really cool pictures of it on the the webs i will uh, put them up on the fishnets and phantoms facebook page um so everybody can see them but yeah so banana splits was uh, kind of a pop culture phenomenon um and uh it was basically like i said it was a um group of four critters that uh, lived in a house that was kind of like a clubhouse um, and they were a band I'm, yeah I know I don't 
there's really not really understanding banana splits it was they were just weird um and they played instruments and um they were kind of like the monkeys but weird critter monkeys um and the monkeys were based on the beetles <laughs> so they were like third uh generation of based on musical groups that live together now yeah because like the beatles movies would always have the beatles living together like they you know weren't separate humans that like lived by themselves with their wives they just did everything together and they lived together in a little house and so did the monkeys and so did the banana splits now this show was just like a weird kid show and i loved it and my brother loved it and one time i had to call him do you remember long distance yes long distance a long time ago there was a special charge if you wanted to call someone from not even really that far away uh you would get a huge charge on your phone uh, especially if you called in the non i don't know non-peak times or or peak times or something like that i just remember that you had to wait till a certain time of night in order to call someone without getting a huge charge on your phone bill and um I was at my job at the wonderful Half Price Books, and um, my boss let me use his phone to call down to Chattanooga in the middle of the day to ask my brother uh, what the names of the banana splits were, which is incredibly awesome. And well, I mean, I don't think that those people are around and or employed by the same company anymore. So, you know, if they get in trouble, eh, sorry. So yeah, you were wondering what the, I know that you were wondering, I know you just, you cannot control your curiosity of the names of the banana splits. Uh, the banana splits names were Flegel, who was a beagle, who had like this huge tongue that would kind of like loll out of his mouth at all times. And um, uh, he was, I think he was the singer and uh, yeah, um, one of the main the main characters well, I guess there's four of them so you know it's not really like there's gonna be uh that big of a fight but anyways Flegel Beagle he was kind of greenish brown and he wore a big red bow tie with black buttons and orange Chuck Taylors and yeah um he was awesome and he was in his suit he was performed by Jeff Winkless in 1968 and in the movie that I am going to be reviewing soon he was performed by Eric Bauza. It's a 2019 horror film, Banana Splits. Um, the next uh, character was Bingo, an orange gorilla who wore white glasses, a yellow vest, and always had like this huge, like kind of freaky grin. Like it was like such a huge grin that it's just kind of made you like. Anyways, he was the drummer, and he also sang, and, uh, yeah, he, um, answers riddles that Flegel would ask. His suit person was Terrence Winkless. Hmm, I wonder if they were related. And, um, in the 2019 movie, he was played by Eric Bauza. Wait a second, that was also Eric Bauza. Hmm. Uh, apparently they didn't interact in the movie i don't really notice that uh the next animal was drooper the lion drooper was uh tawny lion lion um he had like yellowish orange glasses that were very hippie like he had spats on his feet 
and he spoke with a southern drawl in the style of a Mike Nesmith of the Monkees, which I said they were kind of based on the Monkees. Um, he played the bass guitar and also sang. Song, sang, sang. Uh, his act included trying an empty trash bin that would automatically spew its contents out at him and answering mail from fictional fans. Oh, I forgot to say, uh, Flegel would open up the mailbox and um, every once in a while fan mail would shoot out of it like at a huge speed and like knock him down. Anyways, so um, the original player was Adam Grub. No, no, no. Anne Wintrow was the original player in 1968, and, oddly enough, Eric Bowser played him again in a 2019 film. Snorky, who is pretty much the star of the 2019 film, gotta say, he is an awesome elephant. Um, elephant, yeah. He's a mute fury, f furry elephant, and he wore pink glasses. Um, he later becomes a regular elephant in season two, and uh, he wore a green vest with yellow stripes. He communicated through honking sounds, and one of the splits would translate what he's saying. He played the keyboard. His act in the show was using a vacuum. Uh, it's kind of an odd thing, uh, but yeah, very cleanly elephant. Um, his original performer was... James Dove and Robin Towers. Uh, in the film, dun dun dun, he is actually a different, <laughs> a different actor in the film. Brandon Vragum, V R A A G O M Vragum, Vragum, Brandon Vragum in the nineteen, I'm sorry, the twenty nineteen horror film. Um, yeah, so some of the uh, secondary characters were the banana, <laughs> the banana vac, uh, blue moose head moose-like head with brown hair and light bulbs uh, because you know who doesn't want to have light bulbs on their head that hung over the entrance of the clubhouse and made different comments and would help the banana splits introduce the segments uh, he was voiced by Alan Melvin cuckoo clock a clock with a blue and yellow bird head inside that would give snarky remarks to what time is it it was voiced by Paul Winchell Paul Winchell he's like totally got this awesome voice and um yeah uh goofy gopher is gopher that lives in a flower pot also voiced by paul winchell and the sour grapes bunch which is a group of silent human girl characters who were all named charlie for some reason and they would take turns um bringing a written note to the banana splits and they would dance <laughs> so yeah it's like i said very strange show um they had like uh different segments um they would have like some sort of banana splits like uh comedic thing and then in between they would have cartoons they would have the arabian nights um they would have the three musketeers and they had a live action show called danger island uh apparently jan michael vincent was in it um before he was jan michael vincent i think he was just michael vincent then um, he and his daughter Ronnie Traup, uh, portrayed by Ronnie Traup. So yeah, uh, then as time went on, they changed some of the cartoons that they had in between the banana splits parts, and kind of the the cartoons were kind of the best part actually. Um, I mean, I love the banana splits, but they were really very basic slapstick. Um, 
anyway, so they had the Hillbilly Bears, uh, Adamant Show, and Morocco Mole, and the Secret Squirrel Show. Uh, the Adventures of Gulliver and the New Adventures of Huck Finn, Huckleberry Finn. Uh, Morocco Mole and Secret Squirrel are awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, it's another one of those spy cartoons from the late 60s, early 70s. Uh, Morocco Mole and um, it's like a Peter um, Laurie kind of character and Secret Squirrel is, I don't know, just kind of everyday detective, cool guy. I suppose Humphrey Bogart-ish character. Um, it's kind of like uh, Hong Kong Fui, you know, all of those shows from the time. A little, kind of a little, little Scooby-Dooby-ish, but not exactly. Anyways, um, all right, I've probably lost like everyone <laughs> from the show, though. I don't know, but I think they're on Cartoon Network, so maybe you guys have seen some of it. Um, yeah, the original song, the Tra-La-La song that I just played before, um... One Banana, Two Banana was credited by, uh, credited as being written by Richie Adams and Mark Barkin, but that was merely contractual. In fact, it was written by <laughs> N.B. Winkless Jr., um, an upright piano in his living room. Apparently the Winklesses are, were the, like, the main force behind the show. Uh, couldn't wink, but, you know, they got a lot of stuff done. Um, I guess he also did the Snap, Crackle, Pop jingle? I don't know. I, strange and odd trivia. So, um, that show lasted for, I think it was two years, um, but it, it was never, like, a big show. It was just kind of, like, this weird little show that people knew about, and, um, the, uh, song was just really fun and they used to play it on boomerang all the time um is boomerang still a thing yeah i think boomerang is still a thing on cartoon network um when cartoon network first came out and it didn't have as many of its own shows um then they moved everything older to boomerang and um i think they they still might show it every once in a while um but in 20, the early 2019, I believe, they announced that they were going to do a horror um, remake, uh, horror adaption huh? of uh, Banana Splits. And I was like, what the heck? How are they going to do that? Because Banana Splits, I mean, they're really nothing but lovable. I mean, there's not really, I mean, they're weird and creepy because they're giant people in or their giant suits that people are wearing and so they're they have the uncanny valley thing going with them a little bit but yeah so i was pretty interested in that um i hoped that the dickies cover of their song would be in it but it wasn't um oh and if you are looking to hear that uh cover version it is apparently on the 1979 album the incredible shrinking dickies um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. It's also on Kick-Ass. Um, you remember the, uh, 10-year-old hit girl, um, violent fight scene? That was the song that they used for, uh, for hit girl's fight scene in Kick-Ass, which is a really fun movie. I know, um, a lot of people were, like, freaked out that such a young girl was fighting but it was I mean obviously it was really not happening and she's an actress and she is perfectly fine 
And, um, yeah, so, uh, anyways, kick ass, go see it. Um, yeah, so they decided to make, uh, banana splits from, take them from being the lovable bunch of wacky animals and make them into, uh, horror villains, horror stars, horror stars, sure, we're gonna say horror stars. Um, now I've heard that it, the plot of it is very close to uh, Freddy Got Fingered, which I haven't seen. So um, if you already know that, no, then you probably already know the plot of this um, this movie. Uh, I wanted to see it. I missed it when it came out in theaters. I rented it for, I think, like $4, $3, something like that on Amazon Prime. As far as I know, that is the best way to get a hold of it. Um, check uh, that video, uh, oh, no, I can't get the name of the app, <laughs> oh, okay, uh, just watch, just watch, um, video app, will tell you, uh, where it's available, how much it is, um, yeah, so, uh, check it out on that, and, um, and give it a, a watch, um, so the movie was directed by Danishka, Esterhazy. Uh, she is a director that is known for female-driven stories, and um, she was born in 1969, so um, she made, eh, she's pretty, pretty close to my age. Um, she likes to work with Canadian filmmakers. Um, she was part of the punk feminine Punk Film Femmes Lab, a screenwriting initiative for women filmmakers founded by Ingrid Venegar and uh, funded funded by Oscar-winning actresses Melissa Leo in 2017. Esther Hazy was awarded the Amazon Filmmaker Award at the Sundance Film Festival, so she has some pretty good uh, acting, I'm sorry, directing credentials. Uh, she has also directed uh, Level 16. Uh, she was a second unit director for Channel Zero on Sci-Fi for The Dream Door. Uh, she was the director of Vagrant Queen. And uh, yeah, those um, they seem to be pretty much uh, the big movies, bigger movies that she was involved in. So uh, Banana Splits movie was probably, um, probably her uh, biggest... Um, biggest uh venture venture sure sounds sounds good um the horror movie adaption of banana splits that uh esther has he worked on uh was for warner brothers television's group for (laughs) warner brothers television groups blue ribbon contact division blue ribbon um, content 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 division uh, announced that it was collaborating with Blue Ice Pictures on producing a film adaptation of the Banana Splits television series. Uh, It's going to be named the Banana Splits movies, but it would take place in a horror-like setting. Uh, It was based on a script written by Jed Leinhoff and Scott Thomas. Um... Let's see, there was a, um, 
trailer uh, put out for it in June 13th, and that was pretty exciting. Um, yeah, a, the plot follows a family attending a taping of the Banana Splits television series in which the titular characters are animatronic, animatronics with artificial intelligence instead of being people in suits. Um, however, uh, the main characters are soon trying to survive when Flegel, Binger, Flegel, Bingo, Duper, and Snork become evil upon learning of the cancellation of their show. Oh, total spoilers. Uh, I should have like put up the spoiler frag first. Um, but yeah, so they go crazy and in their rage, um, they and their pro programming malfunctions, they start attacking the um, the people in the studio, including the little kids. And um, it was like a, a special taping with a bunch of little kids. And um, in this reality, which uh, veers off of the um, original reality, of course, because it's a horror movie and as I have pointed out before, the banana splits are very nice guys and they would never go after anyone, much less chop them into little bits. Um, they do, however, in this. Um, so yeah, their uh, programming uh, goes bad on them and uh, yeah, hijinks ensue. Now the movie starts out uh, with a weirdly dysfunctional family. Um, the uh, little kid of the family uh, has a very jerk-like dad, a very loving mom, and a very nice brother. Um, the uh, little kid, uh, he's kind of, I don't know, he's kind of like socially isolated. Um, his, like I said, his dad is a real jerk, but he absolutely positively loves Drooper from the Banana Splits. Oh no, I'm sorry. He absolutely positively loves Snorky from the Banana Splits. And um, his older brother makes fun of him because he's like, oh, that's a kid's show. That show's so old. Why do you still like it? And he's just like, I don't know. I do. And he walks around in a little Snorky costume, which was a little bit creepy, like the very opening this is mom like laying on the couch like she had fallen asleep and the little kid with the snorky costume is like over her head like hey um so yeah so that was um that's uh the beginning of it the movie has uh that tongue-in-cheek sort of horror it reminds me a lot of the feel of attack you know killer clowns from outer space i want to i always want to say attack of the killer clowns but no it's attack of the Killer Tomatoes. It is Killer Clowns from Outer Space. I really need to get these things right. Um, probably initially I thought of Killer Clowns from Outer Space because of the Dickies connection since they did the uh, theme song for that movie. But it, it has like a kind of a similar feel to that with the bright colors and obstinately for kids sort of feel but with like true horror like actually going through the um through the movie it's definitely not a kids film it's a horror movie um there's a lot of violence uh there's a lot of dismemberment <laughs> there's a lot of blood um 
Yeah, um, in both movies, <laughs> in Attack of the Killer Clowns, which I watched last night, and I do love that movie so much. Um, it's Attack of the Killer Clowns, or no, Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Ah, Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Um, just a quick mini review is an awesome 80s movie. Um, it kind of tells it in the title what it is. It's Killer Clowns from Outer Space. It's, um, there's like a bunch of kids at a makeup makeout site and a, they think they see a meteor land and find a giant glowing circus tent there and uh, inside are really deformed creepy giant clowns uh, that can do like weirdly magic stuff and uh, seem to be taking humans and wrapping them in this substance that's like cotton candy and it like wraps around the people in like spiderweb kind of uh wraps and um then they just come they go <laughs> they go up to the um those pods and they put in like a crazy straw like you know those straws that like go all different directions and finally go up you know like you go up to your mouth so you have to like suck on them really hard and um so they're clowns and um so that's of course the only thing they can use and they put will like stab this kind of spider uh cotton candy pod and drink from that uh the person's essence from inside um <laughs> just i that's it the movie is like it's it's a cult classic it's like it's not necessarily good but it's kind of an awesome 80s movie it has all of the 80s things everybody's everybody's clothes are just like so darky and they have like the big glasses and the uh, nerdy sweaters and uh, the main girl has like the big giant perm and uh, it's it's just so great um and the, the clowns are just they're pretty evil um, the scene with, uh, Dean Wormer, uh, I can't think of his name right now, but, um, yeah, uh, so anyways, I'm gonna digress into that. I need to get back to the actual thing that I'm talking about. Um, so, yeah, uh, the Banana Splits movie, the horror movie, um, the little kid really, really, really wants to see Snorky in, um, he's kind of weird and like his mom and dad, um, are trying to like kind of give him a like nice little treat for his day and, um, they get tickets to the filming of the Banana Split show and, um, the person that was supposed to go with him and ends up bowing out and so they call around like the mom does the thing that moms do and calls the other moms and finally finds one that is like oh yeah sure you and my kid will go with and you know the kid's like oh, I don't like that show it's like a totally baby show and the mom's like you are gonna be nice and it was nice enough for them to invite us and you're going with and so um yeah uh Oh, yeah. The uh, little kid's name is Harley Williams. And, um, uh, his, uh, uh, his buddy, or his mom's name is Beth, and his dad is named Mitch, and his brother is named Austin, and Zoe is his classmate that goes with him. Zoe? Zoe? Um, 
she's adorable. She's a um, little African-American girl with big poofy hair. And she's got a little bit snotty at first, but she seems she kind of gets into the holding anyways. I think it's kind of one of those things where she liked it, but she wanted to be too cool for the room. But then when she was there, she was having fun. Um, so when they arrive at the studio, studio is just kind of weird in general. It's like... I don't know, it just kind of seems kind of big and a little bit deserted. And they meet the show's hostess, Paige, and her assistant, Doug, and this fan couple who are really obnoxious. They're kind of like the Instagram fans that are constantly recording everything they do on their phones, and it's Thad and Poppy. Um, but as the film goes on, you realize that they actually really do love the banana split, so like they become kind of cute. Um... And there's, like, this little girl who reminds me of the little girl from Willy Wonka. Uh, she's not a Vermeer's kid. But, oh, Veruca Salt is her name. And she's just, like, a kind of a rich little girl. And she's got her dad with her. And he's constantly pushing her. Come on, come on. Like, try to show off in front of the producer show how great you are and he wants her to be a child actress um and her name is parker and her dad is named jonathan and there's a security guard when they come in who's pretty nice to them and his name is sal uh so yeah so they go into the taping of it and um while they're getting you know getting the stage set up and getting the kids on the um bleachers and everything like that um, the studio's new vice president of programming, Andy, just comes in and blurts out that the, to the show's producer, Rebecca, who seems pretty nice, just like long-suffering, that he's canceling the show after this recording because he wants to, um, I don't know, make more money on something else. And she's like, well, you know, our, our ratings are solid. Why are you canceling us? And he's just like a total jerk about it. And... The banana splits um, are at the time we're getting new software ups, updates and um, by their creator, who's um, kind of like this creepy guy uh, that just kind of hangs out in the background. I'm, and um, they start malfunctioning and attacking the, uh, the various people uh, starting with Andy I believe and um uh, they kidnap Andy uh and who was that oh yeah Juper thrusts a prop lollipop lollipop down Stevie's throat Stevie was like their human person that was on the banana split show with them in this new version and um and kills him immediately um outside the studio Beth oh yeah so there's like all sorts of um the show goes on but weird things happen like that you as the viewer knew know are very fatal but they just kind of keep them like yeah yeah no no this is uh this is totally fine and they um finish the show and um the little kids are waiting to meet um, Bingo and Drooper and Snork and Fleagle Beagle and they're super excited and it's really cute like Haley is actually like an insanely cute little kid like how do they find these insanely cute little kids for horror movies I'm like 
always amazed at the angelic cuteness of these little kids. Um, so yeah, so they're waiting. Um, Austin, Haley's brother, um, actually took, um, took the, um, producer aside and was like, Hey, is it possible? My brother didn't get an, a special star on his ticket that would give him the ability to stay after and see the show or to meet the performers. But, um, is there any possible way he can, because this is like his life and, um, so the um, producer does let him, and um, normally that would be a really great thing. <laughs> Unfortunately, this time um, the people that stay back are Parker and uh, Haley and Zoe, and uh, there might have been another red shirt um, sort of person. Um, so yeah, uh, Bingo kidnaps Andy, the guy who wants to cancel the show, and. Um, Jupiter kills uh, uh, Andy. No, I'm sorry. Jupiter kills uh, Stevie, and uh, then everybody's kind of like walking around. It's um, like a big warehouse, and there's like weird sets that are very kind of surreal. Just laying, like just sitting in the warehouse, which is probably like the stages that they uh, film the various things on. Um, during this whole time, the dad, Mitch, keeps trying to get to his cell phone, which they took everybody's cell phones away so that they wouldn't be recording during the show, which I'm guessing maybe that's like a normal thing during recording for TV shows. Um, but, uh, he keeps trying to get his phone back, keeps trying to get his phone back, and he finally does, and, um, sneaks outside of the studio, like, right after the filming is over, and, um, the mom is like, well, where, where is he? And, um, she, um, like goes out the door quietly and she finds Mitch, uh, her husband talking to his girlfriend slash, um, assistant, Kara, and he's talking about how much he hates his family and how much he hates his kid, et cetera, et cetera. And so, yeah, she, um, uh, is not overly happy about that. Um, and, um, Mitch apparently is wandering around and he finds, um, Sal, the, um, the rather nice guards decapitated corpse. And, um, he's chased and run over by Snorky. And, um, that's kind of sad because that's, Snorky is the one that H Haley really, Harley really likes. Um, uh, so as they're all walking around, um, Poppy and Thad are walking around doing their weird internet thing, you know, like, oh my god, uh, look, here is the mailbox that shoots mail out, oh wow, um, and, uh, Thad on, uh, on screen, I guess, yeah, uh, on YouTube, um, <laughs> uh, proposes to Poppy, and she accepts his marriage proposal, and, super happy and just then Flegel arrives and murders Thad by sawing him in half in a really kind of weird and creepy um pantomime-ish sort of thing um so yeah uh not happy um meanwhile uh Harley and uh Zoe are just kind of wandering around um they seem to be 
deftly, accidentally avoiding um, all of the horrible things. And they're looking for Snarky because Harley really wants to meet him because he loves him so much. And um, they end up in the workshop where um, they get trapped with Parker, who is the other little kid, the, um, the one that wants to become an actress. And uh, they find uh, Jonathan's, wait, okay, um, oh yeah, uh, Bingo had kidnapped her after um, he burned Jonathan's face, oh no, Drooper burned Jonathan's face, and they were looking, because they were looking for Andy to audition for him. Um, so yeah, so Beth Austin, um, Beth and Austin find Paige and uh, Rebecca and they learn about the banana splits carnage after finding the seriously injured Jonathan. Uh, Paige finds all the phones that are all smashed into pieces and all of the landlines are disconnected. Yeah, they have landlines. I, I suppose maybe businesses have landlines. Um, and um, so yeah, so there's a fight between Beth and Bingo. Beth is the mom. Um, and uh, her and Austin find Poppy and convince him to join them. Um, convince her to join them, I'm sorry. Meanwhile, Harley, Zoe, and Parker meet the Banana Splits creator, uh, the kind of creepy maintenance guy, maintenance-like guy, the creator Carl, who considers his creation's actions justified by the soul's show's cancellations. So basically, he's just like, you know, well, fine if he goes and kills everybody because uh, they canceled our show, and our show is the most important. So, um, Poppy is kind of crazy by now because she, like, you know, the guy that she loved is dead. And, um, uh, Drooper... Uh, tries to repair Bingo after um, Beth's fight with him and um, Carl gets distracted enough from the kids so that they can escape and they lock him in his own cell and at the same time Rebecca and Jonathan are forced to participate in the show's obstacle course now the obstacle course is weird it's kind of like um, a little bit of uh, Ninja Warrior um, but on a very simple scale and um Unfortunately, uh, they do the uh, extreme horror version of it, and Jonathan is stabbed to death by Flegel in the back with a key, because he wins the key. Um, Rebecca wins also, but um, Drooper smashes her in the face with a giant hammer, and she falls into, um, I think she falls into a, like, ball pit. Um, so yeah, so Harley, Zoe, and Parker come across Snorky and convince him to help them because I guess part of his programming is still uh, working and um, yeah um, they get to the workshop and they ask Carl how to stop the uh, evil banana splits but he won't help because he thinks that it's great um, they the good guys find, hear a uh, music coming from a hatch in the floor and the others go down but Poppy notices a mask of a new um, fifth banana split named Hootie which is a owl is an owl wait no is a owl <laughs> is an is a owl and um, she's the only female uh, 
banana split. And, um, well, since she's kind of crazy, um, she, um, she's always been into the banana splits, apparently. Um, she puts on parts of the costume and ends up killing Carl in revenge for, um, her boyfriend Thad's death. Um, the rest of the group finds underground passage way littered with corpses, um, and they find Doug and the studio staff and the other adult audience members. Uh, the group find Flegel and Drooper holding the children hostage while performing gruesome variants on their acts, like burning Stevie's corpse, oh god, and, um, brutally murdering Andy, I don't, I didn't remember this part for some reason, brutally murdering Andy by ripping his limbs off. Um, he, Andy, again, was the guy that canceled the show. He's kind of the, um, stereotypical, uh, preppy, rich, um, trust fund kind of guy. Um, so yeah, <laughs> not, I can not that anybody really deserves to get their arms ripped off, but this is a horror movie. This is not reality. Um, so yeah, Paige, uh, and, uh, Beth get the kids to the exit and, uh, Austin and Harley managed to kill and destroy, destroy Flegel and Drooper. They meet up with Paige and Zoe before being cornered by Bingo. But then suddenly Snarky attacks Bingo and manages to crush his head. Ugh. Oh, poor Bingo. Um, killing him before dying from critical damage stained during the fight. So that's pretty sad because um, uh, Snarky was really the only good um, banana split left. Um, the police and paramedics arrive and, um, Austin and Paige seem to be starting to have a little bit of a romantic thing. Austin, again, is, uh, the older brother of, um, Harley, the little kid, and, um, he's, Beth, uh, decides that she's going to divorce the heavily injured Mitch and she leaves him behind and he gets run over again. Um, by the banana buggy. And at first you're like, who's in the banana buggy? I mean, I thought all the banana splits were killed. But then they pan up and the banana buggy is being driven by Poppy, who is now Hootie. She is fully taken on the dark persona of Hootie. And so, yeah, then the banana splits theme song goes on and Flegel is seen to be reactivating and laughing maniacally, setting up the sequel to Banana Splits movie. Okay, um, this isn't the kind of movie that you can really dissect, um, super intelligently. It's just, it's just like a fun slasher movie. Um, it does have some nice bits, some nice, in, like, inclusion bits, you know, everybody's trying to include the kid that's a little, little developmentally behind, um, and stuff, but it's not really, it doesn't really have anything deep in it. Um, it's kind of scary. Um, it needs, it needed more really, I think. Um, the, the reason I like, um, Killer Clowns from Outer Space is that's kind of like the whole package. It has the humor and it has the horror and it's pretty extreme horror. I mean, it's like bloody, um, decapitations and, um, woundings and blowing, blowing up, so, no, explosions. Um, 
but it's all like wrapped around with like uh this general like sixth sense of humor um black sense of humor dark sense of humor um this movie doesn't really have that it has um it has the inherent like cool characters you know they have this like weird um uncanny valley about them and it could have been a really cool movie but unfortunately they kind of drop the uh drop the ball a little bit it's just it kind of just comes off as like just mean you know like because the horror parts of it like the decapitations and burnings and all of the horrible ways people die they're just they're just icky and horrible and they don't really have that like I don't know that certain something to make it I mean obviously the whole thing's unreal but you know, the, you, if you push it to like the, just kind of like the edge of surreality, surreality, no, <laughs> anyways, um, that they kind of do in Attack of the Killer Clowns, that, um, that movie just really seems to get it, and it seems just like, for instance, a girl is trying to get out of a house, and she's gonna jump out a window, and she looks out, and there's three clowns in, underneath her with one of those clown cartoon, um, uh, uh, trampolines um, underneath and so she has to scream and like run back into the window um, the way that they kill the killer clowns is they have to shoot their nose and their nose explodes with all sorts of like glitter confetti and you know it has that like a little extra bump of humor to it and this just really doesn't and it just it doesn't like if um, when um like someone gets killed like they'll get killed with like the giant prop hammer but it's just like i mean it's just kind of nasty just kind of gets splatted and i don't know um i know a lot of people did actually like this movie a lot and um they really enjoyed the humor of it and maybe you know who knows maybe i was just having a bad day that day so um you know because see it on your own i would give it like um i don't know uh, C plus, B minus, sort of thing. I mean, it's a fun movie. Uh, I like anything having the banana splits in them. They're awesome. Um, but it's just uh, really didn't uh, light my fires that well. Um, I, again, like I said before, go and try to see the uh, attack of the... Uh, <laughs> I cannot say that right. Try to go and see the Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Um, I think it's free on, like, if you go on Amazon Prime, it's through, if, like, I think maybe it's just if you have Amazon Prime, it's free to watch on there with commercials, quote-unquote. They didn't actually have commercials, though, so I don't really know what they're talking about. But um, I, there's some things that, you, some places that you can find it free. Again, check the Just Watch app online for it. And yeah, so anyways, that is our Friday the 13th show with evil clowns and evil beagles. <laughs> evil beagles, elephants, uh, various other psychedelic 60s creations. Um, yeah, I don't know what's up for next month. Uh, feel free to suggest. I 
I don't know. I never did Parasite, but, you know, frankly, I've just heard so many bad things about it. Um, it's like, I know it's oh, won the Academy Award, which may or may not be a good thing. Um, hey, their Academy Awards are weird. Um, but um, it just doesn't look pleasant. Everybody that I know personally that has seen it has been like, yeah, I didn't like it. I didn't like any of the people in it. I, it was like hard to get through. And a lot of the people that I know didn't even finish watching it. So I don't know. I'm probably not going to make the effort anymore. Like I thought I was going to for that. I am very interested in the invisible man. Oh my God. That does actually look really scary. And I think, um, that, mm, that, uh, place a lot on being a woman and the plot of the new invisible man seems to be kind of a terrifying stalker sort of um thing you know when growing up i always thought the invisible man was incredibly stupid partially because he always wore clothes and it's like dude become a nudist and then you will truly be invisible and you can get away with anything um so yeah, uh, this Invisible Man looks way more hardcore, and I'm looking forward to seeing it. So yeah, maybe I'll do that one next time, unless somebody comes across and contacts me on the Fishnets and Phantoms page and um, writes me and asks if they um, if I would do uh, any particular show. Um, so yeah, so uh, please do that. Um, ah. That was very loud. I apologize. Um, okay. Um, shout outs to Bill Lorenz. Uh, I'm very glad you got through your surgery. And dude, uh, pick a movie and we will do it. Um, shout outs to uh, Abby, uh, Abby Hart of uh, the uh, Mr. Clit and the Pink Cigarettes. And uh, shout out to Gabrielle, my gothy court in Monster Love, Monster Love, and of course, Laura Robles. All right. Um, I will be back on the 13th of April, uh, thereabouts, and uh, we'll have another episode. Now, like we said with the big bad bug, uh, the big bad terrifying bug of COVID-19, COVID, COVID, COVID. Um, I might get bored and do another one, throw in another episode because you know, hey, there's not going to be very much to do in the next couple uh, weeks, months. So uh, most likely I'll be back on April 13th. But anyways, I look forward to talking to you guys again. Um, please, please, pretty please with sugar and um, tiny glitter bats on top. Please, uh, review us on your podcast app and give us five stars if possible i mean you know if you like us because we're, we're pretty likable right right yeah we're totally likable um and uh yeah give us a good rating on there and uh if you write a good review i will mention you on the next podcast i you know i don't i gotta check on how to do that how to find that um, if you do a review, how about you contact me on the um, Fishnets and Phantoms group or uh, page. Page. Oh, I'm getting some complaints from a, a cat here. Uh, again, thanks to my um, 
my catty co-hosts and be careful out there um don't touch icky things um wash your hands do all the good things stay inside become a wonderful introvert and uh stay away from nasty bugaloos